Life is like an uphill climb, a continuous journey toward the peak. We all face our own struggles, each unique and challenging. In Romans 8.37, we are assured that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. With faith and with perseverance, we can conquer any uphill climb. Your journey may be tough, but victory awaits those who keep moving uphill. Good morning. All right, I am so glad you're here. We're today going to talk about uh, what it really means to be in that place of feeling like you're in an uphill climb. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. So we're in Luke 22. Before we get there, just a couple of quick things. Um, I just wanted you to know that um, every week at MVCC, um, our heart is that we just want you to know God and love God. And as a result of gathering together every week, our hope is that you just fall in love with God that much more. And if you're a guest with us today, and maybe you're new or just kind of getting back to this whole thing called church or God, or I got a lot of questions about that book, that big book, um, not the AA book, but the Bible, although the AA book's a good book. Um, I got a lot of questions, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff, but I just hear searching you are in such a good place. You are in the right place. We've all had questions. I still got some questions about in that big book. God, what were you thinking? What did you do? How did all that work? And I just want to say that there's freedom in his house to have those questions. And um, he's so good to us that he will give the answers. I believe that. He's done it in my life, and I know that he can do it in your life. I just want you to know before we get started here that God loves you right where you are, not as you should be, not as you ought to be, because none of us are as we should be or ought to be. He loves us right where we are. I'll tell you what, that truth right there gives me enough to go on where I want to keep following him, even when it seems like God, it's uphill, and I'm not seeing the crest of, the, of that mountain. I don't know what's on the other side, but I trust you. So um, there are some folks that have given their lives to Jesus. Um, that's our hope. Every time we gather together, we want to see anyone who has questions to come. And anybody, you know what? I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. There's a, um, some folks who have done that. So after second service, um, those folks um, are going to be baptized. And so when, whenever we mention this, um, yeah, isn't that great? When we mention baptism, that just simply means these people have said yes to Jesus Christ. I've received him. I've repented of my sins, man. I just want to give my life to him and follow him now. And so baptism is that expression, that water baptism, is an expression of that inward commitment that we're saved. We're saved by God's grace. We're saved because Jesus died on a cross and rose again. And so those folks, man, I never get tired. Hundreds and hundreds of baptisms over the years. I never get tired of seeing someone come up out of that water completely transformed. Amen? Amen. Um, I don't know. If, if a few of, you, few of you might have been with us um, on Friday night, we had our first family movie night for the summer. It was so much fun. Beach chairs on the grass, big, huge screen. I mean, it was better than Regal Theaters. It was so, so fun. And uh, we just want you to keep know that um, our family life ministry and our children's uh, and mission kids, we got something planned every summer, every Wednesday night, and you can check all that stuff out on the website. Also want to let you know that our student ministries, they are taking some junior high school students 
to camp for an entire week. Now, the reason I just need to, want to mention this too, would you please be praying for um, Pastor Zach and Jonathan and their leaders who are taking students for an entire week to get away from cell phones, social media, TV, movies, friends, voices from the world to really focus in on Jesus and strengthening their relationship with Jesus. And hopefully some of those students are going to give their lives to Jesus for the first time. Now, can I, I just want to say this out of the get-go. There's kind of a, um, a misnomer, I think, about um, students and camp is all they do is just go up and just mess around and play games and stay up all late and put gum in each other's shoes and laugh all night and stay up all night. It's, it's some of that, but it's much more than that. There are two worship services every day. There are two fantastic, amazing, anointed speakers. They have group time at the end of those messages. And then late night when they go back to their rooms and stuff, there's just constant um, chewing on what God is doing in their life. They say that 75% of people who give their lives to Jesus Christ and make a recommitment to Jesus Christ do that before the age of 18. So this is so important to us because we've got to raise up the generation coming up behind us. And so would you please, um, Pastor Zach, would you just stand so everybody knows, maybe some guests today. This is our uh, youth pastor. Please pray for him and uh, please pray for his team. He's a fantastic speaker and preacher, so we thank God for Pastor Zach. Um, All right, my brother-in-law, this was probably about a year and a half ago, he called me on a Thursday and he said, hey, I need some help, can you help me on Friday? Friday's my day off. Uh, We get one day off here at MECC, our staff. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sometimes it feels that way though, right, Zach? Um, But uh, it's a privilege to serve, we love it. But um, he called and said, hey, I need you to take some Tomorrow, Friday, could you take some, I'm building a patio cover, a um, couple of guys, and I need you to take about 100 one-by-twos over to this residence in Mission Viejo, and I've got some other things going on. If you could help me, that'd be, that'd be cool, and I'm always willing to drop anything to help my brother-in-law because I just love him, and I want him to know Jesus, and I just want to serve him every opportunity I can. So anyway, um, I'm driving down, it's, I'm going up uh, La Paz up at the high point where um, you meet Olympiad. You know where that is? Just right up here. And so I'm going up. And as I'm going up, they're literally about 100 one-by-two boards, and they're painted all white, so you can't miss them. I'm driving a Toyota Tundra uh, with the rack on top. And so um, I am just booking. I am making time. I am doing good. And I look through my rearview mirror. I heard something, and I looked through my... You know where I'm going with this, right? I looked through my rearview mirror, and there was a trail of a hundred one-by-twos on La Paz. And it's not like um, you can't see them. You can see them. And so I didn't realize till I was maybe, I don't know, 50 yards ahead of it all. And I looked back and I thought, oh my gosh, my brother-in-law is going to kill me. So I, may, I go up to the top, make a U-turn because it's a double-double. I didn't want to, well, I'll be honest. I did cut through the double-double. <laughs> so... I make a U-turn and come back on La Paz, and they are just everywhere. You, you got that scene right there? Yeah. I called my brother-in-law, and I said, man, I said, I am so sorry. He, he, on the, he was not happy. But um, on the phone, he said, did you check the tie-downs? What tie-downs? I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to leave that, that story right there. I'm going to get back to it. Can I just say this? I felt like a complete failure. 
because I was, I was out of my comfort zone. I'm not a construction guy. Like, if someone show, puts some tools in my hands, I can, you know, if you show me what to do and teach me, I'm, I'm eager to learn. But it doesn't come naturally for me. Things around the house, I'm like, I can't just like, oh, yeah, we can fix that. We don't have to call a plumber. Oh, yeah, I can fix the roof. No problem. I can just do that. I'm not that guy. I can have somebody teach me, but I'm not that guy. So I just feel now compelled to tell you I felt like that much more of a complete loser in this situation. Peter denies Jesus three times. Lord, I am ready. I am ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. I don't know if you heard, but in 2011, there was a 5.8 earthquake um, in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, It rattled the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., which is an awesome structure. I don't know if you've been there. There's pictures of it. It's 301 feet high on 57 acres. And they began construction, I didn't realize this, in 1907. They completed it in 1990, which means it took 83 years to construct this monumental cathedral. Now, the reason that this is so um, such an iconic um, figure is because this is where the presidents um, have uh, been uh, funerals. There's been special occasions. It's the National Cathedral. It's a prominent place. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached his very last Sunday when he was on earth at the National Cathedral. Um, high on top of the altar, Solomon's Quarry in Jerusalem, there's some um, stone and material that were brought over to help build this structure. Um, it actually, I didn't realize this, it is built in the shape of a cross of 530 feet and seats 4,000 people. 700,000 visitors every year pay to go in to the Nath- National Cathedral. When President Bush was president, um, Laura and I received an invitation, my wife and I received an invitation to attend the president's prayer breakfast. And I got to tell you, just, you know, um, whether or not you agree or disagree, whoever is president at the current time, being able to be in the presence of the president of the United States is always an honor. I still love our country, whether who's in the White House or not. I'm very patriotic. I love those who have served. I love our military, love that we have freedom. So an opportunity to be in the same room with the president of the United States and have him address prayer was a really big deal. We walked into the National Cathedral It was just monstrous. And to be in the presence of that place, there was just, I don't want to say anything weird, but there was just a, there was like a hush in the room. Well, in 2011, that 5.9 earthquake cost $38 million damage. 83 years to construct and only a few seconds to bring destruction. They're still working on the National Cathedral. They're not done. The reason that I bring this up is that I don't know about you, but I have found myself often in situations in my walk with Jesus with just in a matter of seconds when I didn't know what hit me, I can feel like a failure. I can say something. I can not say something. I can... Um, be in a place that I have no business being in a place of anger or resentment or we could fill in the blanks. We don't have time to do all that, but 
The bottom line is I have felt often like a failure. Yes, even following Jesus. I want you to travel back with me for just a quick moment before we get into the text this morning. Peter saw Jesus approaching the fishing dock. It was the family business. Um, He wanted to make his father proud. Um, Peter had a brother, Andrew. Um, He had colleagues. They had a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee. This was a place that everybody knew everybody. These small little villages and town in the biblical days, back 2,000 years ago, everybody was kind of like the um, small uh, Midwestern towns where everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody just a little bit slower pace of life. And so that was the town that Peter came from. Peter was a swashbuckling fisherman. He was outspoken. He was a natural leader. He liked to be out in front. He didn't, have, uh, he didn't mind having the spotlight on his life. That's just kind of his personality. If you were to put him into a personality survey, you would probably uh, agree with me that he was definitely an extrovert kind of, type of person. He's just out there. Whatever he's thinking, he's just going to say it. Whatever he's feeling, he's just going to do it. And so <laughs> there's one. Um, the interesting thing about this is that he witnessed the miracles of Jesus. From day one when Jesus says, Peter, leave your nets, man, come follow me. He saw 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. Most believe that 20,000 people were on those grassy slopes. And Peter was the one not only to see Jesus feed 5,000, 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but he had the opportunity to, to give out those fish and those loaves to people that were desperately hungry. Um, he saw Jesus' miracles hand and, and, and moments of people seeing, see, uh, watching people who were lame, who are broken, who are completely destitute. He got to see these things. And Peter was the very first one who had the guts. He didn't care what anybody else was thinking. When Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? No, let's rephrase that. Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that stood up in front of the 12 disciples. Nobody else would stand up in that moment. And he said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I believe in you. You are the Messiah. He was Jewish. He was waiting for years and years and years and heard the stories passed down from grandma and grandpa that one day the Messiah would come. And even though I think Peter didn't understand everything, I don't think that he really fully understood the uh, totality of what Jesus looked like and what he did. And of course, the Jews thought that Jesus was going to come and restore Jerusalem and that he was going to wipe out the government and Jesus was going to take his rightful place at the throne. That's the image that Peter had in his mind. Are you with me with this? And as he goes into that quiet place of the garden, which we looked at in previous weeks, that Jesus was in his most agonizing moment of that point of decision where if Jesus does not go to the cross, if he does not decide to go to the cross and die, you and I are lost. And he says, Peter, James, and John, I need you guys to come with me because I need you to pray and watch But I think Jesus called them also for a higher calling of, I just need you to sit with me. And as they are with him, I don't think they expected the Roman soldiers to come and arrest Jesus in that moment. Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. Let's go to Luke 22. And so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. 
And it was Peter who followed at a distance. Would you underline that in your Bible? Would you highlight that in your phone? Would you just remember that? Because that's a key verse today. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter, Peter, wait a second. He was just in the garden with Jesus, with the Son of God, with God in flesh. He was in Jesus' most intense moment where he's literally sweating as blood because he doesn't want physically to go to the cross. He doesn't want that separation that's going to happen between Jesus and the Father In the existence of all the time that we know, he has never, Jesus has never, ever, ever been separated from the love of God or separated from our Father in heaven. And this moment, I believe, is so traumatic for Jesus that Peter is just a stone's throw away. And now, moments later, he's in the courtyard with these Roman guards who hate Jesus. And Peter joined them there. And it was a servant girl who noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, This man, he was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not. And about an hour later, lest we think that Peter had all this time to process and think through this and what he had done. Ever been there? Oh, I'll never do it again. Ever said that to the Lord? I'll never get in this place again. An hour later, after he had an entire hour to process this, someone else insisted now, this man must be one of them because he is a Galilean. Two. They could tell by his accent. You know the Galileans, how they talk? But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Now, Here's the difference. Judas denied, betrayed the Son of God. He went out after receiving 30 pieces of silver. Peter now is going to go out, but I want you to see the difference because the fact of the matter is we have all failed him. We have all denied him in many different ways. Unless we say, oh no, pastor, oh no, I don't do those things. I've never, I've been in church all my life. I just don't do that. I don't ever have those thoughts. I've never, I've never really um, intentionally, come on, let's be real, right? Can we just get to our knees quickly? Because that's the best place to be when we fail. When we fail. And Peter left the courtyard weeping 
bitterly. The Greek word there is it was uncontrollably sobbing because of what he had just done. I wanted to show you where they think that Peter was when he went down the steps outside the courtyard. I just want you to see the trail of those steps. There's a downward trail, isn't there? But looking back from it at this point, it's a long way up. I think Peter ran down, wept uncontrollably. Moments, moments previous to this, he was with Jesus. Said, I will go to Jerusalem and die with you. And now look where we find him. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us. Who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. Jesus is arrested. He goes to the house of Annas, goes to Caiaphas, and then to the Sanhedrin. Which, by the way, if you're a student of law, if you like to study these type of things, the Jewish people at that time, not all the Jewish people, but some of them, the leaders who wanted to destroy Jesus and take his life, they broke every single one of their laws about trial and witnesses. Every single one of them, they broke those rules just because they wanted to trap, entrap Jesus and to kill him. Jesus is in front of his, his enemies, and watch this. Jesus is in front of the enemies who are mocking him now, spitting on him, blindfolding him, torturing him, as Peter is now in front of his enemies in the courtyard, warming his hands at the fire. And he probably remembered those words. Satan has desired to sift you, man, like wheat. I will die before I deny. Some of you who are um, seasoned, let me just say, walking with the Lord for for many years, do you remember a guy named uh, Jimmy Swaggart? Uh, Jim Baker? Some of these folks? I I remember I was... um, I was just uh, finishing high school, and I remember all these scandals started coming out. It was the weirdest thing because it was like one scandal after another, after another, after another. It was, you know, completely um, just all over CNN, Fox News, everywhere. Everybody was now talking about it. And if maybe some of you that are younger, these are preachers of the gospel and pastors and leaders who had taken a horrible fall uh, morally. And so I remember some of us were saying, and I was probably saved for about a year. And I remember in my mind saying, I will never do that. I, will, I remember thinking in my mind, I will never let that happen to me. I just won't. It, it will never happen on my watch in my life. Now, over the years, because I guess the uphill stairs of life sometimes seem so rugged that there have been moments there have been moments when I could, ever been there? Oh, I would never do that. I would never let that happen. 
And that right there was Peter's downfall. I'll never let that happen. That'll never happen to me. So self-confident. Why wouldn't you, Peter, ever let that happen? Because I'm strong. He gave me the name Rocky. He changed my name from uh, Simon to Peter. Um, You are not just going to be my servant. You're going to be my friend. And I'm going to use you as a leader, which we'll get to at the end of this message. You're going to bring 3,000 people to Jesus Christ that we at least know of in that moment at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And yet he was so self-confident. He was so sure of himself. He was so on the inside, so strong, so, um, I don't know what the word is. I guess you could put arrogance and pride. I will not, notice, I will, I will, I will. Interesting that in the book of Isaiah, Satan himself said, I will extol myself. I will take down the most high God. I will, dot, dot, dot. There are five I wills that the enemy said. That is the first downfall for any of us who, lest we think we are so mighty, we are so holy, and that will never happen to us, and I'll never say that, and I'll never do that, and I'll never go there, and this will never happen to me, and I'll never get divorced, and I'll never, ever have a harsh word against my son or daughter. It was a servant girl who stared at him. Here's a question I was asking myself. Was Peter staring back? Was he looking? Did he notice that she was looking at him? Why would Peter deny Jesus three times? I think it was one reason and one reason only. Fear. The very same thing that happened to Jesus will not happen to me. I'm not going down like this. I know where this is going. This was a Roman uh, governmental um, military practice of crucifixion. So Peter knows where the end of the road is for this. Denial number one, I don't know him. Denial number two, man, I am not. And denial number three, it actually says in the book of Matthew that he heaped swear words on himself. And this is what what the translation says in Matthew. I swear to God, I don't know him. What do you do when you're so afraid? Those are the reasons I believe But there's always a way back. There is always. What the enemy wants to do whenever we've done something wrong, whenever we've failed, whenever we've denied him, when we've not lived up to our expectations or someone else or think we've completely blown it or done something so stupid and so unlike God, there is always a way back. And this is where Peter makes the move and Judas doesn't. I wish Judas made the move that Peter made the move because what a story would have been. What a testimony. What, what, what an encouragement for us that literally as he sold the son of God for 30 pieces of silver, he could have made his way back, but he didn't. Peter had remorse, wept bitterly, sobbing. And when you fail, and when I fail, the message is so simple this morning that we must, we have to drop to our knees. There is no other place. I'm not saying that counselings can't help. I'm not saying don't run to your pastors. I'm not saying don't run to someone that you trust and, 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 and find a place of counsel and wisdom. There, there is a place for that. But the very first place we must go, and this is why I think Peter, his story was so different and so life-changing. And later when he book, wrote first and second Peter he said things like I want you to be encouraged God can forgive you God will restore you there is another day with God the reason that he did that is because he dropped to his knees Ephesians 3 14 says when I think of the love of God 
I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. One desire. We have one desire here at MVCC. And that is to know him. That is to know him intimately. And the fastest way to get to a place is to fall to our knees. But you know what, Mike? You don't know my story. You're right. I don't. But God does. He knows everything. Don't ever think that you can clean your life up enough and then I'll receive Jesus or then I'll get baptized. You can't. You can never do enough. It would, it would absolutely negate the whole reason Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross for everything. 1 John 1, 9 says all sins. Romans over and over again. We are justified by his blood because of his sacrifice. We're saved. In fact, 1 John wrote, I have written these things because you know you have received eternal life. And what the enemy wants for us is to look through the rearview mirror and to remember all those one by twos that fell on La Paz Road and it's a mess, an absolute mess. How can I recover from this? The embarrassment, the shame. I was such a loser. How could you be that stupid? And all those thoughts and all those negative feelings and everything, we start to listen to that and it starts to drive our life. Can I just say this? You and I, brothers and sisters, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to have to be willing to be broken. I know you don't like it. I know you don't want to hear it. But if you really want to be face to face with God, you have to be willing to say, Lord, strip away everything you want in my life because I want total dependence upon you. I have been so self-reliant and so self-sufficient over my years. I have become a self-made woman, a self-made man. I have built my own life. And God, I am so sorry. I realize, God, how I am before you. I am totally inept. I am uncontrollably weeping over my own sin. Didn't Jesus say that blessed are those who mourn over their own sin? I, I, I have to say these things because we have done a disservice to Jesus. This whole worship service, this property, every time we gather, every time we do anything, it is simply for his glory. Amen. This worship service is for you. It's not for me to get my worship on. It's not for me to feel good. It's not for me to see all the people that I love. Those are benefits and icing on the cake. But why we meet and why we gather in any form of Christianity is because we want to glorify him. And if I really want to see him, I have to be willing to be broken. Brokenness. 30 years later, Peter wrote these words. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm, and steadfast. I know you don't like it. I don't like it. I don't wake up in the morning and say, God, could you please break me? Could you please bring havoc, or let that storm come into my life, or take this away, or take that away? I don't like that. I don't, it goes against the norm of how I was raised. It goes against the norm of our culture. Our OC status is to make life comfortable, I like my heated seats in my car. I like my air conditioning. I like life the way I like it. I don't want pain. I don't want heartache. I don't want to feel fear. I don't want to feel like I'm nothing before you, God. But God says, I have to do these things in you, MVCC, because I have something greater planned for you. And unless, you get, unless I get you to the end of yourself, 
I can't allow you to be the church that I want you to be, Big C Church, because I have a bigger picture, and it's people that are dying and who are lost, who are in your midst, and they are going to a place of destruction one day when they die. And I want you to care about that. I want your heart to break. I want your heart to bleed because there are people, Mike Myola, right now in your life, there are people that are lost and hurting. And they're trying to bring a quick fix. And they're never going to find it in the world. So what do we do with all this? Number one is this. Be on your guard. Mike, be on your guard of overconfidence in your own strength. You will not do anything. Jesus is speaking to me right now. You will not do anything without me. Without your, my Holy Spirit activated in you. You want to be an amazing mom? Be an amazing dad, an amazing grandparent. You want to be an, just incredibly Christ-following student. Wherever season of life you are right now, the only place you must get to in order to see God face to face and his will and purpose in your life is to say, God, oh God, oh God, I've been running my life by myself. I need you now. Amen. Be on your guard of distancing yourself from the Lord. It is tragedy to me when I hear people say, oh, well, we just, we just kind of slept in this morning. I don't really have time for a life group. I don't really have time to serve in a ministry at MVCC because I've got all these th good things in my life. I, I don't really have enough money to devote my first fruits to God. I'll do that when I make my first we could go on and on with this. It, breaks, it's not, it doesn't anger me as your pastor. It breaks my heart. Because there are so many blessings that come when we just say to the Lord, I have distanced myself from you in my actions. And I come to you, God, with an open hand and open heart to say, I need you. Change me, God. Do we think for a moment that after this experience that Peter, in his heart and his mind, ever dealt with guilt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. That's why Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he said to Mary, go tell my disciples and who? Peter. Jesus knew. He was guilt-written for what he had done. He couldn't get over the failure. He, could, he couldn't get over the pain. So what do we do? We need to have garden friends. We, we just need them. I, I know maybe some of us are our own and we're just don't like being around people. We're introvert and we just, we, just, we just don't need them. And that's just so unbiblical. It's so wrong because there's a blessing that comes when you have someone that can sit with you and walk life with you just because they love you. So when I went back, to the hundred plus one by twos that were on La Paz. <laughs> there must have been three or four people who stopped and were already helping me to pick up all those one by twos. We need one another, don't we? And can I just say, turn back to the Lord now.
turn to him now. If, if you're here today, and you know what, Mike? I don't know. I really don't know if I was to die. I don't know where I would go. I want to go to heaven. I like to think that I might. And, and that better place phrase that everybody uses in our culture, better place, the best place, yeah. heaven. He's already prepared a place for you. He's awaiting your presence. But he just wants us to receive him. Jesus said, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he has given us the right to become children, sons and daughters of God. So if that's you today, I just want to invite you to give your life to Jesus, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that. If you've already done that, say, wait, no, Mike, I, I know the Lord. I'm walking with him. But I really sense the Holy Spirit is moving to not be so self-sufficient and not so overconfident, but to be com- complete reliance on him. Oh, I just want to ask us to come to the altar. I know that sounds weird, and I know that sounds like I don't want everybody to know. Can I just say there's no one here in this room? There's no one here in this room that is better than anyone else. And if we're family, look, if we're family, then we're going to be family. And family sticks together. And family encourages one another. And family helps one another up. And I just want to ask if you need anything from God. You might be here today. God, you know, we got a good doctor's report. I just want to kneel before God and say thank you. Amen. Thank you, God, for what you are doing. Whatever it is, you can just come and pray. Seek the Lord. Give your life to Jesus. Whatever it is, we're just going to have a short time to do that. And then we'll have a, um, to close our service having some communion time. Lord. If it's you today, if you're here and you want to receive Jesus, I want to help you. So you just pray with me. Lord, I've been doing it on my own. And I give it back to you. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for what I've done. I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, against heaven and earth. And I ask that you would forgive me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. I believe it. I don't understand all of it and understand all the Bible or all that even what I'm supposed to do. All I know is I feel you calling me right now and I give you my life. Help me now in my first steps to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.